This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. And I'm Julie from Forgotten Classics. Hello, everybody. Good morning. We are here to get saved from an island that we've been on for (laughs) seven years. Oh. Hopefully someone will come. (laughs) That's a long time to sit and cry into the wine-dark sea or whatever. That is. That that poor guy. Are we we all getting married as well? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of strange (laughs) when you put it that way. The Odyssey. Yeah, books five through eight. At least that's what I read. Yep. Yep. Five Excellent. Through eight. Good. Yes. <laughs> Score yeah. for me. That's I right. Did it. <laughs> so last time, uh, books one through four, we talked about Telemachus and all the stuff he was going through. And at the end of book four, off he went to. Uh, um, was he going specifically to find Odysseus, or was he getting more information? I forget what happened at the end of book four. Uh, at the end of book four. <laughs> at the too. end of book four, he was off. He was he was um on his way. Oh, the and all the suitors were going after him. Yes, yeah, all the suitors left, and they're they're all after him. And then was, it's kind of a cliffhanger, yeah. Right, right. And then the story leaves Telemachus, and we join Odysseus, who is right. crying by the sea. Yes, that's the beginning of book five. Right, right, right. Right after, right after some more gods uh, talking. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I really so, love listening. Huh? A lot of gods talking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, Julie, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say I loved listening to you guys talk about this last time, and especially the point that you made, Jesse, about the person who said it's all about marriage. Yeah. Because I hadn't thought of it that way, and I'd heard somebody say it's about homecomings. It is about homecomings. So it's about that too, but and especially you see that in this section in a sense. But also, um, I loved that whole overarching marriage theme because I would. Mm -hmm. But of course, yeah, (laughs) that's (laughs) my thing. It's one of your themes. (laughs) Being married and it's a theme for me. Yeah, yeah. Still come listen to Forgotten Classics, people. That's not what that's about. (laughs) But uh, but. I was trying to think of other classics that are about marriage, and I could not. I can think of some that have strong threads of that in there, but not as an overarching theme. So that you, you, you see it, you see it in almost every chapter in this. Yeah, in this as well. The five, six, seven, and eight. We've got mm-hmm. uh, first of all, Calypso wants to marry him, uh, right? And he's saying, you know, you're really sexy, you're really hot, you're gonna. Mm-hmm. Be, you're going to stay that way for all eternity, but you know, there's just something about my wife, and she's not no, you. Does, does but he, I'm so okay. sorry. Does he really say that? I think he says he he wants to go home. I don't think he actually says oh, I yeah. like my wife no, he better. He does because okay. I wish I I almost she, highlighted. She she, she, she she although you're more beautiful than my wife, right. he mm-hmm. says. I mean, I, I, let let me get out my notes. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Calypso. Yeah, because she's like, she couldn't be as great as I am. And he says, well, she's not as beautiful as you or tall. And I thought that was an interesting point in my translation, which is a super old one, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's like, but I still like her and I miss her. And I was like, oh, Odysseus. <laughs> you, come on here, you big lug. Yeah, okay, I've got it. I've got it here. Th- this is what it, mine says. All right. It says... Uh, 
Ah, great goddess, worldly Odysseus answered, don't be angry with me, please. All that you say is true, how well I know. Look at my wise Penelope. She falls far short of you, your beauty, stature. She is mortal after all, and you, you never age or die. Nevertheless, I long, I pine all my days to travel home and see the dawn of my return. And if a god will wreck me yet again on the wine-dark sea, I can bear that too, with a spirit tempered to endure. Much have I suffered, labored long and hard by now, in the waves and wars. Add this to the total, bring the trial on. He doesn't say there that he wants to go home to his wife. He says he wants to go home. Uh, yeah, but he does stick up for her against him. And to me, that's kind of going, I don't care. Uh-huh. That's the subtext. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess it's the subtext. That's what a it chick is going to say. And, and maybe, you know, he's not going to tell Calypso, hey, uh, I like my wife better because it'll probably make her mad. Uh, yeah, you don't want to get her mad. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I, I working more than one speech. That? No, I think there's more than one speech in that uh, uh, in that chapter or book, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think I think at one point, you know, he he is saying, "Well, what about?" Yeah, let's see here. Here, here it is. Uh, to this, the nimble-witted Odysseus replied. Ah, I, nimble-witted. Yes. <laughs> my lady goddess, I beg you not to re- resent my feelings. I too know well enough that my wise Penelope's looks and stature are insignificant compared to yours, for she is mortal, while you have immortality and unfading youth. Nevertheless, I long to reach my home and see the happy day of my return. Oh, may, this might be the same speech. I was going to say that's yeah. interesting. It's the same speech, but the happy day of my return to me, that you just picture everyone streaming out. And, of course, Penelope would throw herself into his arms in his imagination. That would be the homecoming mm-hmm. uh, to there's, me. There's still there's still some more here. That this, Sorry. So, listen. No, uh, this Please is actually before me. that little speech. There's a little more. It says... Um, uh, uh, oh, this is, yeah, this is actually Calypso talking. I know that she is never out of your thoughts, and yet I claim to be by no means her inferior in looks or figure, or surely it would be the most unseemly for a woman to compete with a goddess in elegance and looks. Yeah, he is he is nimble-witted, it's true. Um, so he doesn't say she's more beautiful than you. Um, and presumably, I, th- I think we get a little bit about, yeah, it says the lovely goddess, so it's not like she's ugly. Right, she is uh, objectively, <laughs> from the god standard, uh, a beautiful goddess. But his his uh, draw to Penelope is not solely based upon her beauty, um, which is even better. Mm. Yeah, she's she seems to be um, fairly nimble witted herself for a, a woman at that time is uh, pretty indeed uh, pretty. Um, Pretty high praise. Well, it's like in uh, what was that movie about the? Oh, those were Greeks too. My big fat Greek wedding, where the mother tells the daughter, the father is the head, but the mother is the neck. She knows how to turn the head. You know, if you're <laughs> clever. <laughs> that's. I think that's an age-old man and woman uh, reaction. To, you know, that's how you kind of work the deal sometimes. So, mm. uh, and although you know, Julie, this is a book about um, marriage in a way. Uh, there's also a uh, another thing. So uh, Homer has it both ways, right? He he has 
he has uh, the wise and noble Odysseus um, returning home, uh, you know, sweetly to his wife. But he also sleeps with everybody. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's Nautica. a Captain Kirk of the ocean, for <laughs> sure. He's <laughs> he is all over every green woman he finds, basically. It says uh, right that mm-hmm. like like three lines after uh, that that beautiful speech about how he has to return home to his wife. It says, "By now the sun had set and it grew dark, so they two retired to a recess in the cavern, and there in each other's arms they spent a night of love." Yeah, well, it's, you know, I mean, wouldn't that be the manly man? I mean, honestly. <laughs> well, I'm here. What can I do? I <laughs> waste the opportunity. Yeah. So what is um, Calypso's backstory? I should have looked some up. Are there myths about Calypso? Uh, I believe this is the first time she's ever mentioned in literature. Really? Um, okay. Don't we get told that at later when we're hearing Ulysses tell his whole story uh, because in mine, since it's so old, she's called Circe, oh, and really? Odysseus is Ulysses. Oh, yes. no kidding. Hmm. Well, it's because I downloaded the free uh, Kindle one. Oh yeah, you're not. Isn't yours like um, a, Samuel, a Latin, Latin translation though? Like uh, yeah, I think Ulysses. so. So yeah, I'm not Samuel sure. Butler. I'm not sure how uh, it's in the uh, public domain. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So it's Minerva instead of Athena. And right. Luckily, I was really into all that stuff when I was a teenager, like most people. So I can translate in my mind. Well, Circe is a different person and uh, a different goddess than Calypso. Calypso, is she? Um, mm-hmm. uh, okay. She lives on the island of Ogigia, which, as far as I know, is uh, a fictional island. This interesting thing about the Odyssey is it tends to include some non-existent places, at least as far as we're concerned, we don't know where that island is. And so there's a lot of speculation. Um, yeah, so it says one possible location yeah. of Ogigia is the Ionian Sea. Uh, but the Ionian Sea is, you know, a sea. It's not a specific spot. Um, and it may have been thought, some people thought it was Atlantis. But they also say that about the the place that Nausicaa lives on as well, yeah. or however you pronounce her name. Uh, and the the fact that they don't know, the, the ancient Greeks don't know where those places are, tends to make me think that, um, you know, some of those stories that Odysseus is singing for his supper for <laughs> may not be uh, completely historical, whereas um, a lot of the other stuff, you know, uh, is real places and, and real right, people. Troy and yeah, so one of the one of the um, one of the places that uh, Nausicaa is supposed to live on is uh, uh, what, what's the island? Shira, it's called. Um, S C H E R I A, which is a uh, again a place we don't know where it is, but uh, apparently the people of Corfu claim that that's Oh. Uh, them, but the problem with that is uh, Corfu is very near Ithaca, and they <laughs> claim not to know uh, Odysseus by reputation, only by distant story. And in fact, uh, Odysseus was supposed to have been king of many islands, not just Ithaca. Um, and you know, you you wouldn't imagine that they would wouldn't know he who he was. So. I believe it was Aristotle speculated that uh, they were in the, the Shiro was in the Atlantic. Oh. 
and may, and perhaps it actually is a better case for that being Atlantis as well because of um, the the way the land is and the way the people are ruled and and how they're sort of distant Greeks if they're Greeks at all. They really. Have- Keep the gods and such. They're people who make raisins. I know that. I was quite impressed. And uh, <laughs> apparently, also, Nausicaa is the first person in literature to ever play with a ball. Oh. Hmm. Well, I was, I loved Nausicaa. Yeah, she's I know fun. we're skipping ahead a little, but. <laughs> um, That's fine. <clears throat> she was, she was such a teenage girl. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing I love about this, and, and I'm assuming it's not just my translation, is the fact that all these people are so real that we can recognize them by type, you know? Because when um, <laughs> Athena, I guess, not Minerva, is saying, um, you know, you're such a lazy daughter. Your clothes are all lying in disorder. <laughs> you're supposed to be married soon. <laughs> and you should be well-dressed and find good clothes for everyone else, so you better get down and help your mother with the laundry oh all right you're right yeah and then so she goes and talks to her father about well you know you're the chief man you really should have a clean shirt and and my brothers they're important they should have clean shirts too and then it says she doesn't mention her own wedding she didn't like to but her father knew and he's like all right take the serving maids and go off and wash the clothes fine and it was like it was just such a typical transaction mm-hmm those all those conversations, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And then later on, when she's talking to Ulysses, and she's like, "Well, yeah, because we don't want people. You don't want to walk down the street next to me because people might think you're going to marry me." <laughs> <laughs> Even though I already said you're just the kind of guy I'd like to marry, I don't want anyone to think that. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, wow, she's such a teenager well uh, I, such a girl. I i didn't see it exactly that way when when she was talking about uh you know people would talk if we were walking down the street together um you have to uh, you have to sort of remember what kind of culture you're looking at too it, it, the the way we see women in these stories is they tend to be uh a lot more prominent than they probably would have been in in the the society that homer's uh singing to right the the women were one notch above slave, but not a great notch. You know, they were prizes. They were things to be prized, but not um, they, they were, were not adornments. People. They were not people in the same way that we consider women people. Yeah, and they were adornments to the men. But and I do get that. But to me, the telling part of all that was. The, she kept talking, bringing marriage up out of nowhere. Yeah, well, they, she's that to me was the, the teenage girl part was the well because you know we don't want people to think that we might be married. <laughs> you know, I could just see it. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, and the fact that they when they were washing the clothes, they were playing to see who could get the dirt out the most, and I don't know. Those were all just touches to me that made them real people. Yeah, she definitely make oh, so making them real people, even though the people uh, who, who are listening to them. Are not thinking them they're people. I, I hear you. Well, you know what I'm saying? Where they go? Oh, my daughter's the same way. Yeah, well, kind you of recognize thing. her as a human being. Absolutely, right? That, exactly. Um, apparently, uh, the uh, the the history afterwards. You know, she she doesn't. Uh, spoiler: She gets out of the story alive, right? <laughs> her hey, name hey. her name means burner of ships, which is interesting. But oh. um, uh, Aristotle attributed uh, 
apparently he said that that uh, she later would marry Telemachus, which oh. if you if you think about how it works, uh, the relationship works in the story between Odysseus and Nausicaa, um, she says, I want to marry a man just like you. Mm-hmm. And, that and Telemachus does, is right there. Yeah, well, Telemachus is, yeah, is uh, Eventually. nearby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. And we get the sense that... Uh, that yeah, that actually would work because Telemachus, although he 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 doesn't seem quite as swift as his pa, um, he's, he's young he's at heart, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and also we see him; he's at the cusp of young manhood because he's having to be encouraged to now stand up and take charge. Mm-hmm. Don't just lie around and complain. You're the man of the house now, so he's old enough to you know now. So we're seeing. Almost in a sense, it could be like seeing how did Odysseus get started under different circumstances than however he grew up, which I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we know about his his youth. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying is um, it's the young manhood versus the experienced traveled man. Let, let's go He's back to lighted. the mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. chapter sorry. five. I'm thinking. Um, <clears throat> Chapter five is one of the best remembered. Uh, uh, sorry, book five is one of the best remembered books uh, from my original reading. You know, as a teenager, I I could remember that book extremely well, and a lot of the other stuff that you know I, I had forgotten that it starts with Telemachus. Uh, I had forgotten uh, Nausicaa, but I didn't forget uh, when Mercury arrives on uh, uh, Hermes arrives and. And um, and uh, talks to Calypso, and Calypso gives gives uh, Odysseus the axe, right? And mm-hmm. I, I and I'm thinking, oh, that's a cool axe. But if you think about it, he actually it's not like a magic weapon. It's just to chop down that tree. <laughs> it's, he, he's always being given gifts, and he's always losing them. <laughs> <laughs> it, do, it didn't mention that he took it on on board that boat, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That he built. Uh, but if he did, and all the other gifts that he was given for that journey, they all got thrown into the sea. Yep. He didn't even he didn't even land on shore with a piece of clothing on, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is just him. Right, right. Well, the uh, funny thing to me is that I didn't remember any of this stuff. No? I could have sworn that I read it. But then I'm wondering if what I always saw was stuff that just started off with, you know, the good parts with, here we go. And now we're in the island of the Cyclops and or the cave of the Cyclops because I didn't remember any of this backstory stuff, which makes it fascinating for me mm. to see how I feel about reading it and listening to it. And it's really it's such a good story that, as I was mentioning to you guys earlier, it overcomes any bad reading on LibriVox that I'm getting. I don't care. Just give me the story. <laughs> it's compelling. Yeah, it is. And that's what surprised me. I mentioned it in the last podcast about the odyssey is i mean this is so old but mm-hmm. i mean you know like the nausicaa thing um yeah it's it's amazing how i mean we're just like them we really are mm-hmm. i mean they, these are people that we recognize and the gods are always interesting to me too i mean it's one of the fun things to think about but mm-hmm. it, it's interesting you know poseidon is off in ethiopia so you know you can you can distract the gods, even Zeus, you know, so that you can do something behind Zeus's back, for example. And then Zeus, you know, eventually always finds out. But, um, 
but you can you can distract them with other things and and so Poseidon's off in Ethiopia so hey let's get Odysseus you know on his way while Poseidon's not looking it's true and you know mm-hmm. all of uh books 7 and 8 are uh, they're essentially a cliffhanger as well because uh, nobody on Nausicaa's island knows who Odysseus is, and remember they're having a they're having a festival uh, for Poseidon, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like right. his sworn enemy <laughs> <laughs> is the god they're worshiping. Yeah, and, oh, the irony, at, right? And you know, he, even though he sort of gives it away, he keeps weeping every time somebody starts singing <laughs> about. Uh, What's going on, you know, Achilles versus Odysseus or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. He starts I like the fact that he's the one asking for those stories. Hey, could you tell us those great stories about that wonderful guy, <laughs> Odysseus? Yeah. I heard he's just great. He doesn't have a tiny something. ego, it's true. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. You know, uh, speaking of that bard, I, I recall that, um, you know, Jesse mentioned earlier, Homer or whoever the poet was would tell these, you know, live, right? Mm-hmm. This would be a recitation. And um, the end of the first day was book eight. It took a day to get through book eight. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that book eight is, contains all that bard stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of a pass in the hat at the end of book eight. Yep. You know, here's the end of the day. You know, hooray, everybody cheering, you know. And here's my hat. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in fact, Demodacus, the, the name of that bard, mm-hmm. he, um, some people think that that is Homer putting himself into the poem. Mm. I figured it had to be because he was blind. And, I mean, that's right. the only thing I know. And I just went, oh, Homer, is that you? you well, know? We don't really know anything about Homer. Uh, yeah. So the, the the reason we think Homer's blind is because he made the oh, this guy blind. I see. Well then, never mind. That was a that was a self perpetuating loop that I was in. And uh, I I think in the I haven't read ahead, but um, I believe in chapter nine. Uh, sorry, book nine. Uh, our hero is going to sing for his supper. He's going to Da-da-da. give give away the show, right? Say who he is, and and that's going to actually. It, this is a really interesting way of telling a story, right? You don't start at the beginning uh, on the shores of of Troy. You know, you start in the middle of the story with you with Telemachus saying, "Ah, oh, it's been seventeen years since I saw my dad," <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we stop after telling a bit of that, that story, and we go to Odysseus saying, "Ah, oh, it's been seven years on this island." <laughs> Right. Yeah, so you're moving backwards. Well, and the other thing is that um, there's all those hints in the first chapter about, well, you know, because this was after the Cyclops and the, you know, incident where all these people died or whatever he says. But And I was like, wait a minute, did yeah, I get the I right – I started at the wrong place. And I, a couple times I double-checked and went, no, it says book one. Okay, I'm going to keep going. But, yeah, so. So I think that's uh, – that might be what's – what were related in chapter book nine? We're going to be told uh, all of his adventures, including uh, the visit with Circe, the visit with uh, the Cyclops, and, yeah, uh, sirens. Cy- well, oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so Memento was not as groundbreaking as everybody thought. But also think it was about an old technique, exactly. But also think about the uh, the fact that everything that's happened so far has been pretty much. Um, 
plausible. You know, you've got no mystical creatures, right? They're all essentially human beings or gods, and the gods always, almost always come in human form. But just like whenever you're watching a, like, uh, a television show and they have a television show inside that television show, mm-hmm. that television show inside the television show, the, the, the one inside, the, the fictional one, is always even more cartoon-like than the, the show itself. And it has to be that way pretty much because uh, <laughs> they're, paradi- they're you know, sort of doing a subset of a subset, right? Mm-hmm. And in this way, uh, his stories are a subset of a subset, right? Homer is telling the story to the yeah. audience, and the audience is hearing the story of Odysseus. And then Odysseus tells a story to an audience within the story, and those <laughs> stories are even more cartoon-like than the, the story uh, as a whole. Yep, it's Inception all over again. Who's <laughs> dreaming about it again? I can't remember. Yeah, well, I guess it, it, mm. it had to come Head from somewhere. Head Well... Yeah. Um, the other the other thing that I, I really like in I, I've noticed in the last uh, few books is is um, is the in the end of I really like book five. I, I'm I, I, it's like I've read it three or four times. And I thought, oh, I better read those other chapter uh, those other <laughs> books, and I did. I and I did read them, but I, I'm like obsessed with book five because I remembered it so well. I, I seem to have remembered every every um, scene and uh, even some of the lines and I just I think there's a lot of great stuff going on in it so uh, right he goes on the journey right he chops down the the trees he builds the ship Uh, Calypso gives him a a pile of goods to take with him and then he's for 20 days he's on the sea and uh, then uh, Poseidon comes back and says what the what you know there's a (laughs) There's a uh, Odysseus, and he's getting away. <laughs> we better stop this. So he sends the storms, and and the sea rises up and s- starts smashing on his ship. Um, and he swims to shore, right? But as he's sw- uh, oh, he's he's holding onto a piece of his raft. This uh, goddess out of the sea comes up, and her name is I I know. And I, I'm like, who's I know? I don't remember her. But I, I did sort of remember, I th- maybe she was a nymph or something, but maybe she is a nymph, but they're sort of interchangeable with, with goddesses. And she says, uh, here, take my cloak. Um, it will protect you. And he says, okay. And then she says, and swim for shore because you're in danger of dying with your ship. And he says, well, I'll, I'll take my own advice on that. I don't. I don't trust goddesses, uh, especially when they come out of the seas, right? <laughs> so he'll, he'll take the cloak, but he won't. He won't uh, immediately swim to shore. Uh, and then she says, "When you do uh, get to shore, be sure to sh- throw the cloak back into the sea." Uh, and he eventually he does get to shore, and he does throw the cloak back into the sea, and that's sort of the end of of that little scene. But I was thinking, well. Uh, well, that was kind of her, right? She was kind of her to help him with that, with that uh, little situation. But what? Why did he have to throw the cloak back? And why did she? Why did she have a cloak? She lives in the ocean. Is it? It's sort of just a, <laughs> They're not you know, savages, you know. Come on. I guess so. 
I was thinking like, was, well, that's how you get, he gave it back to her. I just assumed she wanted it back. Yeah, but uh, I was thinking maybe it was made of kelp or something like that. Oh, <laughs> dry up and not <laughs> yeah. be any. Um, but she, she, she's she's not the only goddess that appears in that story. There's another one. Did you guys notice the other god at the end of book five? The Poseidon. End of book five. Poseidon. Uh, Poseidon shows up and he says, "Oh my god." Odysseus is getting away. Oh, myself. You know, <laughs> oh, myself. He's <laughs> getting away. And then says, hey, um, I, uh, take this. But that's not the only god. He, in, in fact, Odysseus prays to a god uh, to help him, and the god helps him. Did you notice that? Um, trying to recall. Uh, so cool. Mm-hmm. And listen to this. In answer to his prayer, the river capitalized checked its current, holding back its waves, made smooth the water in the swimmer's path, and brought oh, him so, safe. Oh, yeah, he prayed to the god of the river. Yeah. Right? And the Hello. Ri- oh, hey, we lost you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, let me <laughs> back. Oh, well, I, I was telling Scott that there's an extra god, uh, extra god at the end of book, book five. And let, uh-huh. me, let me read the section here. He's, uh, so this is Odysseus praying. He says, "Take pity on me, royal royal river." Oh yeah, got a capital R for river. I claim a suppliant's rights. In answer to his prayer, the river capitalized, uh, checked its current, and holding back its waves, made smooth the water in the swimmer's path, and so brought him safely to the land at its mouth. Odysseus mm-hmm. bent his knees and sturdy arms, exhausted by a struggle with the sea. All his flesh was swollen, the streams of brine gushed from his mouth and nostrils. Um, and, he, and he gives thanks to the river, but the river is no longer capitalized once he's out of the river. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's all, all those things having the, their own gods. It's, it's animism, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. everything is alive. It's like Shinto, the nature Absolutely. worship. Absolutely, and and if you think of Aino, right? She's she's some goddess of some, you know, little strait between some islands. Or something. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. um, and she just hangs out there, and all of the everything's alive. Everything has a spirit, and everything can be prayed to. But actually, that's not the only god at the end of uh, of the story, because after he gets on on land. He is. He says, "If I stay in the riverbed," he argued, "and keep awake all through the wretched night, the bitter frost and drenching dew together will blah blah blah." So he he digs around and he finds a uh, olive uh, copse and buries himself. And I, I, there's a beautiful um, metaphor at the end here. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. It says. However, in the end, he decided that it was better course and set off towards the wooded ground, not far from the river, and the river's not capitalized anymore. He found a copse with a clear space all around it. Here he crept under a pair of bushes, one an olive, the other a wild olive, which grew from the same stem, with the branches so closely intertwined that when the winds blew moist, not a breath could get inside. 
nor when the sun shone could its rays penetrate their shade, nor could the rain soak through the earth. Uh, through to the earth. Odysseus crawled into the, his shelter, and after all he had endured, was delighted to see the ground littered with an abundance of dead leaves, enough to provide covering for two or three in the hardest weather, winter weather. He set to work with his hands and scraped up a roomy couch in the middle of which he lay down and piled the leaves over himself, covering his body as carefully as a lonely crofter in a far corner of an estate buries a glowing brand under the black bushes. Uh, sorry, under mm. the black ashes to keep his fire alive and save himself the work, uh, having to seek light elsewhere. And now Athena filled Odysseus's eyes with sleep and sealed their lids, the surest way to relieve the exhaustion caused by so much toil. Um, so what, what struck me there is there's a metaphor, right? He buries himself the way uh, Crofter would bury a uh, a brand to save himself the fact that he's going to ha- lose his fire if he doesn't save it. Mm-hmm. But then the very next line, Athena seals his eyelids. <laughs> so uh, I would say that's a metaphor too, <laughs> mm-hmm. except it's not a metaphor if the gods can actually show up, right? So is, it, is this a case where... She, if we were filming this, do we just say, and Athena, we have a narration say, and Athena sealed his eyelids and then show him falling asleep? Or do we have Athena standing there and he's like wide awake, lying on the thing, and she puts his, her fingers over his eyes? No, she's a character. Right. Mm-hmm. But if she's I mean, a, yeah. I, I don't think he would have any trouble getting to sleep myself. I <laughs> I think uh, having just been this exhausted and saying how exhausted he is, he would have no trouble falling asleep at all. And so I, I took that as she was watching over him constantly from that moment on again. Yeah, absolutely. She, I mean, I meant it, it was really her. Is she there? Like, yeah, that's what I felt. Wow. Because mm. otherwise, why tell us? Uh, well, I just think, I think this is like, this is a, a situation where, you know, if you're a fundamentalist and you're reading the Bible and it says, and God came down from the mountain or whatever, you would say, oh, that happened. But in this case, because we've got a metaphor and then we've got another one where, well, I think you're getting too complicated. I think. I kind of tend to this story to apply the same rules that like Aaron Ziegler does in Chop Bard, which I don't know if you've ever listened to that, but he does a wonderful job of going through Shakespeare. And he always says, you know, we can come up with all kinds of things, yes or no, kind of like this. And he says, but if Shakespeare had wanted us to know that, he would have told us. (laughs) So if he tells us, it's true. And if he doesn't tell us, it isn't true. And so I kind of am like, if you're going to accept Athena in other places actually doing other things, when they tell you she came and she did this, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. I'm going to assume, I'm not going to say, well, now he means it, now he doesn't. I have to go with, he always means it or he never means it. Hmm. Um, so to me, if I'm going there's to no shades, it, There's no shades of... Uh... Well, there's shades, but they're kind of making it pretty clear where the shades are. I mean, to me, that stuff was very descriptive. He was really putting you yeah. in the place of how far he buried himself under those leaves that that was just going to keep him warm and that was all it was going to do. And then Minerva shows up and he's like, oh, now I don't have to worry that I'm cold, hungry, you know, whatever. I just fell asleep. Hmm. 
but Scott, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I I guess I don't know. Yeah, it, I I feel that he's saying that she's really there in the in the story. Yeah, um, I, I, I I I can see that. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just like well, it's not needed. <laughs> he, he's so tired. He, he's 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 making a bed. He's lying down. He's and then she she says, "Oh, you need to sleep." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shows up. <Doink. laughs> That's your interpretation. Yeah, that I don't he's know. So I just, tired. He could sleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it talks about his exertions and 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 being and being so tired, and he wakes up wonderfully refreshed, uh, though nude. Well, I don't know. Then why ha- why trust Minerva's there for anything? If why did he even? They did. I mean, you know. I, I just kind of go back to either I believe Zeus and Poseidon and Minerva are doing all these things, and I know and everyone, or I don't. And if they bothered to say it, and it's in both translations because I was reading along, then mm-hmm. I just figure she's there. Yeah. But I did like the way it was described, even though it was different language um, and put a little differently in mine. I One thing I really love in all of this is the way it's described so you really put yourself in the scene, which I guess makes sense because it's an older story and you, you're trying to do that for everyone. If you're telling it and they're listening and you want them to be there mentally, but the descriptions are so, as you, you're pointing out, Jesse, that's part of it. They're wonderfully nuanced, mm-hmm. you know, so that you really do imagine all these things. Because when he was um, creeping beneath the tree or in yours it says bushes and mine it says olive yeah there's two olive trees yeah okay that grew from a single stalk and this says one an ungrafted sucker while the other had been grafted and i suddenly went oh that means there have been people near there okay to me that was what where i you know so i just thought that was kind of an interesting detail that this translation had that that one didn't but all of them mean something to you some way or another Uh so uh yeah, I just, to me, and that's like when, um, again, and I'm sorry to jump ahead a little, but when they're he's walking into the, through the countryside, mm-hmm. and they're describing all the activities, and some of it's to show how prosperous the land is, but all these different things they're describing, I'm just fascinated by, well, here they're growing grapes, here they're making raisins, here they're making wine, here they're, and it's just, I love it. It's, um... Mm-hmm. Whether Minerva's there or not, um, it's it's more than you expect in all the variations of the story get, that get shown in our culture, or the way the story gets retold in our culture. You know, they focus on the high points, but actually reading this book or listening to this book, what you see is how wonderfully constructed the story itself is. Hey, uh, I, I I I I'm looking ahead to book six, and I I'm I'm. I'm thinking, yeah, that that is right. But but what struck me about book six was what's been striking me also since book one. Uh, I think the end of book one, and it's talking about again more God stuff. The dawn, when dawn shows up, she's rosy. always rosy fingered, right? Or yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in book six, right after Athena shows up in uh, uh, Nausicaa's bedroom, saying, "Oh, look at that mess." <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, she's as one of her bosom friends, right? She says, um, uh, "You know, oh, I, 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 you're right. I got, I got to go wash this stuff up." Uh, but then it says, "Soon after dawn, capitalized, right? This is a goddess, enthroned herself in the sky, 
and Nausicaa in her lovely gown awoke. And then was that's the end of Dawn shows up in every pretty much every chapter as well. But uh, book eight starts with Dawn and says, As soon as the fresh Dawn, capitalized, had decked herself in crimson, she, Divine mm. King, uh, 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 sorry, the Divine King Al- Alcinius, left his bed and conducted his. Right? It, if. <laughs> If Dawn is a god, right, and the sun is a god, like everything is, everything is a god. So when you feel sleepy, that's Athena putting you to sleep. When you feel hungry, that's probably the god of hunger. Well, I guess, I guess yeah, the question then is, is Athena putting everyone to sleep or was she putting him to sleep at that one moment? Yeah, uh, I I would say because you know, Athena's Athena's a character in this thing, and she shows up all the time. And right, but I, I see what you're saying. You know, when you say Dawn, you know, as you said it there, we don't picture a person. No, we we just think Dawn is a time in which the sun is arising. And mm-hmm. even if we thought that the god, uh, or the sun was a god, yeah. we probably wouldn't think that twilight was a god or uh, afternoon uh, tea was a, <laughs> a god. <laughs> In this world, I actually do, though, because in this translation, it always is the same. When the Child of Morning, rosy-fingered, capital D, Dawn, appeared. It always just says that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was no decking herself in crimson in my book. And so, it, I always, knowing Apollo's moving the sun, you mm-hmm. know, all these things are happening, I just I kind of always, in their minds, I'm always like, oh, there's Dawn. Yeah, she's so making somehow, happen. Yeah, somehow she's doing it. Or, yeah, it's yeah, like she's but it's not like she's in the appearing, sky, though we can't right. see it. Um, and but but as you're pointing out, Scott, it's it's a generic thing. She does this every morning, right? And whoever mm-hmm. the god of sleep is, would they do that every time? And um, you know, like you say, Minerva, oh, sorry, Athena okay. has has attached herself to Ulysses. She's specially interested in him. She's taking care of him. And in the next book, it says. Now, now that he was asleep, worn out with sleep and toil and everything. So, like you're saying, he goes, then she went off. And so, my take was, look, I want you to go to sleep because I got to go take care of this other business. And I can't watch over you anymore. So, you go to sleep. I'm off to Nausicaa's bedroom for a little dream chat. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's kind of how Yeah, I, I guess she was in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe she only – because until you brought up all these goddesses at sea or, you know, all these characters at sea doing these various things, I was like, well, where was she then? Well, I guess maybe she was waiting for him over on the island. She's like, I don't – I can't do anything for you. Sorry. I'm waiting. It's it's funny, though, because, you know, the way we think about the sun coming up, we think it is something special. And and uh, if you m- go that one extra step and say that Dawn is a god or a goddess – then you're saying it's extra reverential, right? It, it's not just mm-hmm. a beautiful symbol, but it's also uh, something worthy of worship and respect, etc. Um, but <laughs> knowing our understanding of the way Dawn works in the modern world, uh, Dawn is always getting up <laughs> somewhere. <right? laughs> well. And is she all over the other planets, or did they all have their own Dawns? You know, like... Um, Looking at it well, from uh, from a modern perspective, it makes no sense. I don't see why Gon couldn't. If Apollo's moving or whatever his name was is moving the sun across the sky always for wherever you are, I don't mm-hmm. know why Dawn wouldn't do that too. That's kind of what they did. 
That was their thing. That's all but they she, had to she's do. She's always enthroning herself. She's yes, but in crimsonly. Famous. But in the context of the story, that's no, what we yeah, have to yeah, do, right? It, it only works. It only works as a. I mean, I, I, I think everybody has given up on Apollo worship since. Uh, I hope you know since we've got a centered. <laughs> solar system he Apollo doesn't really have much to do it just sits there right yeah well you know he's he's hanging out <laughs> telling old stories of the good old days no <laughs> but I mean in the pictures I mean and of course these are old illustrations I'm remembering very vaguely but I mean Dawn was dressed in kind of golden and crimson clothing mm-hmm and I read all those stories probably like you guys both did and so they actually had actual functions and sometimes they'd be brought forward for their little part in the story so you know yeah. twilight was a character or you know i'm sorry a, a goddess or mm-hmm. a minor but you know they were minor but yeah. mm-hmm. they had their things to do so right. i i just don't think you know when when if we're reading a modern fantasy story nobody goes to the depths of the the you no know, Dawn isn't a god, you know. If there's a river god, it's the god of a specific big river, and he's got a name, right? Everything in this world is full of, of it's alive and it, mm-hmm. it has a spirit, and and it, you know, when we say, you know, here's the pantheon, it's Apollo and Hermes and you know, all of these gods. That's not all of them. That's just the big guys who live on Olympus, right? right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like Shinto. Shinto's every Absolutely. rock has got a yeah. god. And you know. some of them you need to worry about. That's why we put up that temple. Right. Or to the area. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. So. Right. So next chapter is going to be the Cyclops. That's what's coming next? That's what's coming next. That's exciting. Yeah, because he gets, starts to tell his... Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing I loved. We didn't really talk about how he goes in and he's... Um, you know, well, you kind of mentioned that he's anonymous and they're, you know, oh, well, you seem like a great guy and I'd be happy for my daughter to <clears throat> marry you. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I can see she's interested. And he goes in with, a, yeah, he yeah. goes in, uh, she, it said, uh, Athena made him taller. <laughs> I know. And she's like, and yeah, because the daughter, Nausicaa, is going, you know, you used to look pretty ordinary, but now you're looking mighty fine. Almost <laughs> like a god yourself, and you're the kind of guy I want to marry. And that's when she starts bringing up marriage all the time. Yeah. Oh, you're kind of cute and very impressive looking. Hmm. And you seem to be important. You're my kind of guy. Oh, and, um, but then when they go in, I like um, the fact that you start to see how wily he is because when is it the king or the queen who's saying, well, how come you didn't come in with my daughter? And he's like, well, no, um, uh, you know, that's not really done. And well, that's just the way I'd think. Mm-hmm. Good one. <laughs> and um, then when he's, but I didn't, I didn't really understand later why he's going, Hey, let's have some of those great stories about Ulysses. He's a <laughs> hell of a guy. I understand. And then he's, he's sitting around crying. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, and I understand him being overcome by, oh, wait, this is not as wonderful as I thought. But doesn't he do it more than once? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, he does. And then uh, he reveals himself, doesn't he? Doesn't he tell everybody who he is when he uh, when he's challenged to uh, join in the games? <laughs> right. And he I says, love- oh, that's. That makes me mad. I can do whatever you guys do. But then he just kept talking and he said, you know, when I was fighting 
Uh, yeah. There was only one archer that was better than me. Mm-hmm. And wasn't he revealing himself at that point? Didn't people know who he was right then? Uh, yes, but I don't think he. I don't think he came out and said it. He, he didn't come out and himself. say it, but I think that people knew who he was at that point. That's the impression I got. Yeah, that he said, they, they, "This they is who I am." It's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he's like, "Oh, that's right. Bring me a heavier disc. I will take care of it. That's None right. of you can beat me." <laughs> and and me he's a like, green woman. "Oh." <laughs> okay. We've got it. Yeah. And that's when the king's like, um, you know what? You're really great and we like the prowess and everything, but who are you? Mm-hmm. Although I think first they did the dancing and I thought it was interesting just from the cultural point of view that <clears throat> excuse me, um that you know, Ulysses is not or I'm Odysseus is not impressed by the the sports, that's fine, but I can do better. But it's almost like, to me, it felt like he was throwing them a bone over the dancing because they're super proud of their dancing anyway. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing all this dancing. is like, wow, I have never seen better dancing. And then the king's like, okay, you are my kind of guy. Thank you. <laughs> I'll give you whatever you want. You know. Uh, yeah, that's funny. So I just thought that was an interesting cultural point of, well, you know, now we're really proud of this. Mm-hmm. Although they do stop at that point and throw in a story from the Bard about Venus and Mars. Mm-hmm. I yep. didn't understand why, except I guess it was just a great story to tell everyone while you were going along. It's marriage. Don't you get it? It's all <laughs> about marriage. Oh, yeah. Faithfulness and unfaithfulness. That's right. <laughs> and uh, it's a traditional... Uh, I mean, this is a story that we get um, out of the book as well that that people either have extracted and you know added to the... The stories we know about about the gods. Mm-hmm. This is the source. Um, who knows? Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, a famous story with uh, Aphrodite and um, Ares being uh, uh, unfaithful to uh, the marriage with Hephaestus. Right. Um, there was uh, one other thing that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> when uh, when Odysseus comes out of those bushes. Picking up, um, he's 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 completely naked, right? And he covers himself. He he covers his nakedness. Uh, yeah, did he use mud? No, he used the leaf. Oh, oh. <laughs> so what the funny part is, if it, I don't think it said what kind of leaf it was, but if <laughs> if um. It was from those olive trees. Mm-hmm. These are incredibly small and well, these are very narrow, slender leaves. Yeah, they're like, like yeah smaller than you know, just a little longer than an olive. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Surely he, he found a better leaf than that, <laughs> or perhaps it was because it was so cold early in the morning. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Thinking of that Seinfeld episode That's that right. you know, I was in like, the pool. Yeah, I was at the pool. I was at the pool. Says George. Uh, And everyone laughs at him. (laughs) That's right. I also like that it's okay to cry like a woman. Uh Sobbing and wailing. Oh yeah, that was interesting. I I didn't I didn't highlight that, but isn't that an interesting way to put that? You know, they they he said he's crying like a woman. And then they didn't they say something like um, a woman whose city had been sieged or something like that. This 
particular translation says, he wept as a woman weeps when she throws herself on the body of her husband who has fallen before his own city and people fighting bravely in defense of his home and children. Sorry, yeah, I didn't read that. And isn't that interesting? She screams because, aloud and flings yeah. her arms about him as he lies gasping for breath and dying, but her enemies beat her from behind about the back and shoulders and it just keeps going. Oh, yeah. and But it's, yeah. it's almost like they're... The bard is bringing up the other side of the Troy battle right there. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? That's what I thought when I was reading that. It's it like, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Because I was just captivated by the fact that no one, he's crying like this. No one noticed it but the king who's sitting right next to him. And I was like, how did he do that so quietly? Under that cloak, I guess. But um, I guess that was just showing the depth of feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, to be charitable, I, I have gone back and I found that passage. It sounds like he, uh, he, <laughs> he, different he is more than just one olive leaf now. <laughs> says, so gallant Odysseus crept out from, it's, it's, it's still funny though. So the gallant Odysseus crept out from under the bushes after breaking off with his great hand, a leafy bough from the thicket to conceal his naked oh. manhood. Oh, then, <laughs> then he advanced on them. Like a mountain lion who sallies out defying wind and rain oh. uh, in the pride of his power with, his, with fire in his eyes to hunt the oxen or sheep, to stalk the roaming deer, or to be forced by hunger to besiege the very walls of the homestead and attack the pens. Extended metaphor much? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, well, one is kind of noble and, you know, powerful, and then the other one is desperate. Getting really hungry. Fierce. Yeah, yeah, he's getting exactly. hungrier and hungrier. Yeah. <laughs> the same urgent need now constrained Odysseus, naked as he was, to bear down upon these gentle girls. Begrimed, oh, begrimed with salt, he made a gruesome sight, and one look at him sent them scuttling in every direction along the jutting <laughs> spits of sand. Al- Alconius' daughter was the only one to stand firm. And that's the first meeting. So, <laughs> see this wild man coming out should. of the, Yeah. yeah. Coming out of the sea, and she's well. You don't look like much, but uh, when she dresses <laughs> so him up, first you were an ordinary-looking guy, but right. okay. And he's got a <laughs> olive branch in his hand when he's coming. <laughs> a, a, a leafy yeah. bow. A leafy bow. Yeah. Yes, it takes a whole bow. <laughs> so. <clears throat> you bet. Fun stuff. <laughs> How funny. So, uh, next books are, yeah, Cyclops and then Circe, The Book of the Dead, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Cool. Uh, briefly. So, are we doing 9, 9 10, 11, 12? 9, 10, 11, 12, and Scylla and the Charybdis. Ooh. Which I don't remember. I don't remember that one at all, but I remember Book of the I Dead, that. Circe, and the Cyclops is probably the most famous one, right? Right. Very nice. Right. Which but, is a good one. Yeah, Scylla and who, however. Charybdis? Yeah, that's where he's on the boat, I think, having to go between the sucking mouth uh, uh, and the yeah. zillion heads or something like that. I mean, I remember it was like, <gasps> how's he going to do it? You it's know. the uh, Greek version of uh, something Lovecraftian, probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's all the, yeah, now starts the adventures, and that's the part that I always knew. I That's, Yeah. So I can't wait to see what's in there that I don't remember. Yeah, and then after that, I mean, it's like those four books are the the stories of him being, uh, you know, singing for his supper for the the people on um, Nausicaa's land. 
and and then and then we get the the subsequent stuff is him getting into town and making trouble for uh, the suitors. Yeah, which is also <laughs> famous. Yeah, uh, it, to it, me, I mean, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Just people think of the Odyssey, though. I think they think of um, you know the adventures at sea. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's a lot of uh, adventures on islands, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of singing for the supper, <laughs> a lot of hosts and and uh, and such. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why I didn't mind the the different qualities of the readers on LibriVox because mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, wow, the story is so good, and I could really kind of see it as a okay, we're going from village to village and hearing different quality of bards because they wouldn't all be Homer, Mm -hmm. but everybody'd know the story. Or, you know, they're in training. So perhaps I was faking myself out a little. But, you know, because most people back then, they would have had to memorize it. For for one thing, everybody would have had to memorize it. But then the other thing is that, um, you know, not everyone could tell a good story, but you still want to hear the story anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and notice how they call for also they call for the story, right? They they don't say tell the one about right. You know they don't <laughs> they don't have uh, you know hey what you got new right? It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. This is a favorite. I want to watch yeah. it again. <laughs> you know yeah. one one of the interesting things that occurs to me right now. You know Odysseus asking for those stories of his own. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he was trying to find out if he was known because he's been on that island for seven years and I'm sure he would have never heard oh. any of those stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. It just occurred to me. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, tell the one about Odysseus. <laughs> and they're oh, like, so we're hey, give I know him a that. Pass on that too. And okay. he's like, holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. And if they say that, that scoundrel, you know, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, huh. That's not our, our sworn enemy. You mean the guy who we would like to string up? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I'm just saying that's that's really a good point. I I retract my my previous um, scornful comments or laughing comments about it. Oh. Although I believe he did use some wonderfully descriptive language about yes, the no, great no question. <laughs> <laughs> no question. <laughs> so it was kind of tipping his hand there. So yeah, he was he was hoping it would be positive. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.